Good morning. So today I'm going to be talking about um, an instance of uh, herbicide resistance in Louisiana sugarcane. So just a brief background on resistance. Resistance is what you see in the picture here. Um, so I don't know if you guys can't see the pointer just yet. Okay, so we have two plants here that were treated with the full rate of metribuzin. These are from different ryegrass populations. This plant here at three weeks, it's dead. It did not survive herbicide treatment. The plant next to it treated at the same time. It's happy and healthy and it's resistant to that PS2 inhibitor. And this is a problem. So this project is in collaboration with Al and it's funded by the American Sugarcane League. And Al identified ryegrass populations that look to have resistance to PS2 inhibitors. So my questions um, were, well, how resistant are these populations? At what level of herbicide can we um, control these weeds? What's the mechanism? How did they evolve resistance? And what control options are left for growers? And I should also point out, too, that these populations that I'm working with, um, Al and his grad student, Alphonse, have also confirmed that there's paraquat resistance. So we are looking at multiple herbicide resistance here. So a little bit of background about how we do dose responses is that we, um, once we have a suspected case of resistance, we want to confirm that in a controlled environment, and we use a spray chamber to do that, and that's uh, the device pictured here. And uh, we've got a sprayer that moves along a, a track here at the top, and then we've also got a bench that we can raise and lower. And so what we do is we treat plants with increasing levels of herbicide. And when we do this post-emergence, so when the plants, um, we treat them about three to five leaves, and we then assess three weeks after treatment. Pre-emergence, we sow the pots with um, seed, and um, at a rate that we estimate about at least five plants are gonna come up per pot, and then we um, assess those at five weeks. So we give them a little bit longer, so we give the seed time to germate, and then we can assess injury and also assess weight. Um, so we'll do, um, once we do the injury assessment, we cut off the, uh, the top part of the plant, um, the above uh, soil biomass, and then we dry that down in the oven and we get the dry weight. So when we look first at metribuzin, and this is post-emergence, so I want to do post-emergence and pre-emergence uh, for these populations because there's a chance that when you're applying the herbicide, some of these plants may already be emerged, and so you're looking then at post-emergence activity. And when we look at these, and this is just two of the populations, Sweet River, which is our susceptible, and White Castle, our resistant population, what we see is that with the Sweet River, which is the closed circles, and uh, this is increasing uh, metribuzin on the x-axis and percent weight of untreated um, on the y, we see that that percent weight drops off pretty quickly for Sweet River. So the plants are being killed off pretty quickly. Whereas when we look at White Castle, it takes a while um, and a higher dose to get control. We see that when we look at the pictures too. So this is, um, at the top, this is our Sweet River population. This is untreated right here and moving across increasing doses of herbicide, a quarter of the field rate, half the full field rate, two and four times the field rate. And what we see is that we have survival at a quarter of the field rate, but at half the field rate, we have control. We look down here at White Castle and we look at the field rate, that plant is still green and healthy and it's not going to be controlled out in the field. So, um, sorry. Okay, so when we look at um, percent injury for four of our populations, 
um, and that's this graph here. I've got in bold the field rate. When we do an injury evaluation, 0% injury, the plant is healthy, it doesn't look like there's, um, there's any damage to it. 100% it means that the plant's dead. Um, it's, it's completely dead, there, there's no green uh, material left, it's gone. And then somewhere in between, that's where you write um, how much necrosis you're seeing on the plants. We look at our field rate, we see that for Bunky and for Sweet River, we have 100% injury, so those plants are dead. We get control of those, those are our susceptible populations. We do have some injury um, for St. Gabriel, about 30%, and White Castle, we have no injury. So again, we're not really getting control of those populations at the field rate. When we look at the percent dry weight, we really don't see a drop for St. Gabriel or for White Castle, but we do for our susceptible populations. So I'm also looking at Diaron, and uh, Diaron's a slightly different story. Um, we do have some injury at the field rate for both St. Gabriel and White Castle. However, that is injury that those plants are likely to survive, whereas Sweet River and Bunky have more severe injury and uh, ultimately will, will die from the herbicide treatment. And we also see that there is a drop in weight for three of our populations. We look at White Castle. White Castle, there really hasn't been a drop in weight for the, um, um, when treated with the full rate of the herbicide. So again, we have resistance. I'll talk a little bit about the pre-emergence treatments. So um, these pictures were taken at three weeks. Um, we let them go for another couple weeks before collecting data. We've got our susceptible populations, Bunky and Sweet River on this side. We've got untreated, quarter of the field rate, half the field rate, one times the field rate, and then two, four, and eight times the field rate in the back. And you'll notice that about half the field rate for both Bunky and Sweet River, we get control. Whereas St. Gabriel and White Castle, this is the full field rate, this pot here and that one for those two populations, and we've got plants that look healthy, and that's three weeks after treatment. So again, when we look at percent injury and we look at percent dry weight, um, again, in the bold, that is our field rate. We have 100% injury for a Bunky and Sweet River. Those plants did not survive. No injury for St. Gabriel or White Castle. Uh, we do have a drop in um, the percent weight for the resistant populations, um, but that means essentially that those plants were a bit stunted, but they're still going to grow up and, and uh, produce seed and pass on that resistance trait. So I didn't show any data for Turbosil, but it does control all populations. Um, however, when we look at post-emergence, we have resistance for metribuzin and diuron. Atrazine, that, I'm still collecting data on that, but it looks like we have resistance to atrazine. When we look at the pre-emergence, um, again, these are ongoing. Ryegrass is a winter annual, and um, so right now it's been really enjoying the weather, particularly for the last month, so that's when we've been able to get these pre-emergence dust response going and get good germination in the greenhouse. Um, but we are seeing resistance to these three herbicides. We just collected our first data set on diuron yesterday, and at um, 1x and 2x the rate of diuron, those St. Gabriel and White Castle populations were happy and healthy. So the next question that I have is, what is the mechanism? And when you talk about herbicide resistance mechanisms, there's uh, two main strategies. There's target site resistance, where you have a change to the target, with the protein that the herbicide's interacting with, and then you have non-target site resistance, and that's where the target of the, of the herbicide is still sensitive, but the plant is preventing the herbicide from ever getting to that target. 
So for looking at PS2 inhibitors, when we look at target site resistance, we're talking about the PSVA gene. And that gene encodes a protein called D1. And D1 is what that herbicide is interacting with and inhibiting, and that's how you get death at the plant. So I've um, uh, generated PCR products for uh, survivors of herbicide treatment for our resistant plants, and I also um, collected uh, some DNA from our sensitive plants as well. I've amplified the PSVA. I've sent that out for sequencing, and I'm waiting for those results to come in. Um, but I also want to investigate non-target site resistance. And um, even if we do see a point mutation for PSVA, it's worth just checking, taking a look at non-target site resistance. There have been cases documented in other systems where you have both target site and non-target site resistance mechanisms present. So we do have studies planned for this spring using malathion. Malathion is an insecticide. It functions as a cytochrome P450 inhibitor. Cytochrome P450s are enzymes that um, have been shown in weeds to metabolize herbicides. So if you inhibit those cytochrome P450s, and that's critical to the resistance mechanism, well, if that can't function, then your resistant plant is now sensitive. And so this is a quick way to check to see if there's any involvement of metabolism. Uh, so I also wanted to point out that we are looking at alternative chemistries. Um, so what can we do right now to control these resistant weeds? And for post-emergence, um, glyphosate and clethodum work really well in the White Castle population. Same results for the St. Gabriel, I'm just not showing them. The reason why these herbicides are important is that if you're rotating in soybeans in your fallow period, these are herbicides that you can use in soybean. And the ryegrass, if it's coming up in your sugarcane, then it's probably also going to come up and be a problem in your soybean. Uh, Pre-emergence, clomazone and S-metallochlor work very well. So this is, um, for clomazone, this is our untreated pot, and this is our treated. You can see that there's quite a difference there. We're getting really good control. Uh, same story for S-metallochlor. S-metallochlor, we don't even really get any germination. So some future directions for this um, is that I really suspect that we do have non-target site resistance um, present. And so once I confirm that, I'd like to get into some transcriptomics and some genomics, really trying to figure out what genes may be involved in this, um, particularly if it's um, it, when you're looking at ryegrass, ryegrass likes to outcross, so it's very good at spreading traits to other populations. And if you're looking at a trait that's a single gene, like target site resistance, that's something that can spread very easily. If you're looking at something non-target site that may be multiple genes, that may not spread quite as fast. Um, the other thing is that um, we really need to think about how we're using our herbicides. Resistance is a problem that is only going to get worse. And I was just at uh, two weed science meetings, and a lot of posters were talking about resistance because it's a problem everywhere. And so we really need to think about additional tools to add to our toolbox to prolong herbicide efficacy. And so some of the projects that I've been trying to get off the ground this past year have looked at additional strategies that we can employ with our herbicides to really um, better manage our weeds and prolong our use of these herbicides. So um, again, I want to thank the American Sugar Committee for funding this, and this was in collaboration with Al. Um, also, my technician, Gerald, he took many of the pictures in this presentation, and he and my students, Connor and Cater, were, have been very helpful in collecting all of this data. And um, that's my contact information. If you guys do have any questions later on about resistance, um, I'm happy to talk about that.